My wife and I went shopping for a new pair of shoes for my son, and I knelt down to see if they were going to fit. And I said to my wife, babe, I don't think these shoes are going to work. They're a little bit too big. And she said, no, 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 they're perfect. He has room to grow. And I thought to myself, don't we all? Welcome back to the Brave Work Room to Grow podcast, where we all have room to grow. My name is Pedro Latore. If we haven't met before, well, here we are. We're together. We're, we're, we're here on the sonic space, whatever that means, but we're here, and I'm excited about that. Today, I'm going to do something so rare, and so it's so rare I've never done it. I don't even know if you can call that rare. I think it's just, this is an anomaly of a podcast, and I hit record today and um, had zero vision for what I wanted to talk about. Now, before you click off and you go, oh my gosh, this dude's literally gonna do a podcast and he has no idea what he's gonna talk about. I don't have time to hear somebody rant on something. Here is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take the next 10 minutes or less to talk about a couple of things that have been on my mind. I don't know exactly what they are, 100%. This is being real, this is, this is transparent, but I'm doing this as a practice. I'm doing it as a practice because I'm gonna challenge you to uh, do something, and this is where I think I'm gonna go with this. I'm gonna challenge you to do something at the end that might be helpful for your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health, your physical health, and uh, it's a practice that I do in my life, and uh, I'm gonna share it with you right now, okay? So here's what I do. One of the things I do uh, when I'm feeling drained, when I'm feeling tired, if you've ever felt this, is I pull up my phone, I hit record on a voice memo. So whatever phone you have, whatever device you have, I hit record on a voice memo and I, I start talking, kind of like I'm doing right now. And the reason I do it is because there's sort of this innate, like built-in pressure that I'm recording, it's taking a memory on my phone, I should probably say something. And that sort of forced uh, red light blinking, so to speak, on my phone saying, you're on air, like what are you gonna say? It forces me to say something. Now for some of you, you're like, well that just seems like a waste of space. That's the exact point of what I'm actually getting at. And this is why I want to encourage you towards this practice. So again, I have no idea where this is going, but I'm following the flow. This practice for me has become so life-giving because it helps me see uh, what I previously maybe could not articulate. And that is what's really going on inside of me. And sometimes I'll limit this to about a four-minute practice. I do this through writing as well. It's a four-minute writing exercise. I got this idea from a book I'm turning right now in my office and looking for the book, see if it's on the shelf. It is, The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Uh, phenomenal book, you should go get it if you're a creator, a creative, or just a human being. It's really stinking amazing. But she says, uh, she calls it morning pages. And it's basically where you set a little timer for four minutes and you just write what you're feeling. Well, I've learned to do this in an audible form. I am a uh, verbal processor. And so you can tell, like my thoughts stream really fast when I can just let them out and I'm not over analyzing what I'm thinking about. The reason she says four minutes is because she says it's long enough for you to actually get to the kind of the root of, of things you're feeling and, and you just start with writing whatever. You're like, okay, I'm doing my morning pages and I'm sitting here writing and uh, well, you know, yesterday was hard for a lot of reasons. Today, I'm really looking forward to this and man, that person really hurt my feelings yesterday. And before you know it, you're like two minutes in and you're just like, pouring out stuff and then you see that four minute mark coming you're trying to get as much out of you as possible so you just start saying whatever's really going on inside of you guys it's an amazing practice 
So I love it because that four minute mark is a great marker for you to vent what you're feeling. If you're having a hard time lately, if you're dealing with any anxiety or depression, I found it to be a really good, helpful, practical tool around my own emotional health um, and helping me just see what's inside. I think the beginning of emotional health is to know what you're actually dealing with, to actually know how to name and see the things that are actually going on. So these are really practical ways of doing that. Matter of fact, I'll give you a, an example of one, a story of one. My wife and I had lost uh, a child and we were going through a miscarriage and I found out, came off a tour, found out about it, uh, wrestled through that together and had to go back out on tour. And I remember I was in New Mexico. I still have the audio recording on my phone actually. And I began to talk to this child, you know, I didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. There's a lot of things I didn't know and I didn't know what had really happened. I just knew we'd lost the child and I really just couldn't feel it. Um, as weird as that sounds, I was still, I think, in a bit of shock and uncertainty of how do you process this? Like, yeah, the doctor's like, well, it's probably better for the baby because, you know, it could have had something seriously wrong. And you're like, well, but that's baby we're talking about. Like all of these feelings and emotions were like raging and surging. And I just, I don't know if you've ever felt this, but sometimes emotions can peak at such a level that they become like white noise. And you're like, I don't even know. So you just sort of live with them. And I think that's actually the beginning of um, anxiety and depression is sort of a muted sense of emotion. It, it's so heightened that it loses its nuance. It loses its, uh, you know, up and downness. It's just all up or it's just all down. And that extreme level of emotion, whether really down and flat or really high and flat, um, can become like white noise to our bodies and to our minds and we just assume we're fine. Well, I hit, this is when it began, I hit uh, out, of, out of just sheer, I gotta figure out what's going on in me. And I hit record backstage on the voice memo and I just began to talk to this child and just say the things directly to the child that I'd wanna say rather than try to rationalize it, spiritualize it. I just began to talk to the baby. And I might give you a little excerpt of that um, in real time. You'll have to excuse the background noise from the event because I was literally about to walk out in front of a whole bunch of people and speak. But here's a little clip of that and I'll come back. Hey buddy, this is your dad. Things weren't supposed to happen this way, but just want you to know I think about you every day. Your hair, your eyes, your hands. Smile. I'm thinking about you right now in Arizona. Right before I go on stage. I'm thankful that you made me smile for a couple of weeks. That the idea of you warmed my heart and your mama's heart. so much 
He's so much fun. And your grandparents. tell it allowed me to just open up and it allowed me to be honest and it's a simple practice that I've learned that has become really really helpful in my life I do it frequently and sometimes I'll journal I'll physically write for four minutes sometimes I'll turn on record on my phone for four or five minutes um, sometimes I'll pop my neck while I'm on a podcast uh, but whatever it is I've learned that it's really helpful to become aware of really what you're dealing with I think sometimes we're good at naming the tip of the iceberg without really knowing how deep that iceberg goes um, and it's important that we look below the waterline of our own emotions and we can start beginning to see it doesn't mean we have to conquer it all in one day it just means that we need to be aware of what we're trying to conquer in the first place and um, and not necessarily to overcome the emotion but to move through it and to grow from it um, so conquer is probably not the best word there, but you get the point. Uh, so that, that's a practical tip, number one. I guess I'm doing practical tips on this podcast. I think that's what I'm doing. Practical tip number two, find books that inspire you. How do you find books that inspire you? I'm going to tell you how I find books that inspire me. Because for some of you, you're like, oh, I just go and read on Amazon what they say, and if I like it. That, that's not always the best way to find a book that inspires you. So here's what I would say. Find, uh, when you can, find living authors that inspire you and read their content and then join their newsletter and find the books that they, that are inspiring them. If you're finding an author that really inspires you, it's because they're reading content that has really inspired them. And so one of the ways to figure out what, you know, might pique your interest and maybe even be outside of what would pique your interest at times would be to find authors you love and the books they're reading and consuming to write the books they've written. Uh, for example, practical advice here, uh, I follow a guy named Ryan Holiday who I love. I love his work. I have um, a collection of his books, I think, behind me actually. Yeah, right here I have Ryan Holiday's Stillness is the Key, Ego is the Enemy, The uh, Obstacle is the Way. Um, I even have his Daily Stoic. It's a book of, of meditations from the Stoics. Uh, just some like really good daily little uh, habits, practices, thoughts. And it's great. It's really, 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 really great. Um, but he's also, you know, referred other books along the way that have been really helpful for me. Um, actually, probably at least a dozen books I've bought just because he was like, hey. And you know what? I read one. I don't know if it's up here. I read one a while back about library. Ego is the enemy. The uh, obstacle is the way. Um, I even have his Daily Stoic. It's a book of, of meditations from the Stoics. Uh, just some like really good daily little uh, habits, practices, thoughts. And it's great. It's really, 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 really great. Um, but he's also, you know, referred other books along the way that have been really helpful for me. Um, actually, probably at least a dozen books I've bought just because he was like, hey, and you know what? I read one. I don't know if it's up here. I read one a while back about libraries. Yeah, libraries. There's so many things about libraries I didn't know. 
And it's the story of the fire, uh, the library that caught on fire in Los Angeles and many other kind of components there. Uh, well, I'm going to be honest with you. I wouldn't normally buy that book, but Ryan Holiday said, you should read this book. It's a fascinating account of this, this, and this. And I was like, okay, like if he was inspired, I think I'll be inspired. Truthfully, it wasn't the best book I've ever read in my life, but I'll tell you what did happen. I learned a whole bunch of things that I would have never, never had ventured out to learn. Many of those things have inspired my thinking and become frameworks for me of how I think and how I move and how I act and react to life. And so there's practical tip number two. Find books, more importantly, authors living it preferably, that are still alive that can refer you to to other great books. Um, Speaking of great books, I'll give you some uh, ones lately that have really inspired me or that I've revisited even. Um, Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights is, is really, really good. I was really impressed. Uh, I love, he's got such an adventurous spirit that it kind of pulled me out of my overthinking. But then what I loved about it is he really has a deep heart and um, it kept me in my feelings, which I, I really love books that kind of keep me in my feels because they, they move the needle for me a little faster in my everyday life. I loved uh, my buddy Harris Third. He has a book called The Wonder Switch. It's fantastic. A lot about mindsets and breaking patterns of trauma and learning how to um, lead at a higher level be, You know, once you've led yourself a bit. There's a quote in the book that says, um, and I don't know, I think if I'm not mistaken, they couldn't figure out who actually said this quote, but um, there's a couple different people I think they thought have said it before. But the, the quote nonetheless is amazing. And whoever said it, if you listen to my podcast, which I doubt you do, Uh, But if you do, uh, credit to you, and please let me know how to give you credit. But the quote says this. It says, The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Speaking of internal trauma or things we've walked through or past experiences, often the things that we really are looking for in life and the things that will give us the most meaning will require us to go back into some of those darker places. Um, and so it's encouraging because it, it is true. And that's why it's encouraging because it's true. Uh, let's see, what else recently? Uh, no Rules Rules, uh, the Netflix, it's uh, Netflix and the Culture of Reinvention. It's about Netflix and their culture. And uh, I work with companies quite a bit on culture and um, you know, helping interpersonal communication and personality typing and uh, C-suite executives, you know, function better. And Pedro, how did you get into that? Uh, well, I got into. Thanks for asking. Uh, I got into that through um, paying attention and reading a lot. To be honest with you, I grew up in an environment all of through my childhood that was pretty chaotic in a lot of ways, in comparison, at least to many of my friends, and uh, definitely not as bad as many other people's environments. But there was definitely some trauma and stuff I've had to work through. And uh, part of that chaos, I think, made me emotionally uh, very sensitive and very aware of rooms and people and how everyone's feeling. And couple that with, um, I think, you know, being manipulated at times because of that sensitivity. And then you couple that with learning to grow and see that sensitivity not as a weakness, but as a strength. that is what's helped me be able to walk in with teams and help them sort of figure out what's going on and take temperature and get down to their ultimate why and shared beliefs and unity and impact in whatever their field is. And so 
Um, that's something I'm really passionate about. But yeah, that book, No Rules Rules, um, was incredible. It's an incredible read. I highly recommend. Uh, a good but great one, speaking of great, Jim Collins wrote a book back in, I think, the 90s called Good to Great. And a lot of business people have kind of circled this book for a long time. And uh, now that I'm helping companies as, as a part of what I do, as a part of Brave Work, I've realized, man, I need to go back to some of the things that have really shaped um, company philosophy um, in the business world and mindsets. Uh, I haven't started Tools of Titans. That one's on the dock. That one will happen sooner than later. Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty, another great book. I'm just trying to get practical here, guys, on this podcast. Uh, Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty was a phenomenal book. I think Jay is a fascinating human. I hope to get to hang with him one day. Uh, I love his mindset. I love uh, his depth. And I think he's, he's a really cool guy. Uh, who wrote that one? I think David Brooks, The Second Mountain, is probably my most... Um, the book I refer to people the most as of late. It has been David Brooks' The Second Mountain. It's a living a life beyond the, the horizon of our own concerns. It's about transcendence. It's about, uh, well, what do you do once you've, you know, in my last podcast we talked about winning. What do you do once you've won sort of the American dream and success? Like you get to the top of that mountain and you either say, okay, I'm going to set up shop here and this is where I'm going to be forever. Or you see another mountain in the distance, a life of service and giving and philanthropic um, empowerment and uh, I love that book I love it because he has so much wisdom and he's been there done that and you know I think he's gone through some marital stuff and he's very candid about his his experiences and his growth in spirituality and with God and it's cool man it's a really really cool book I highly recommend it it's going to give you a different mindset uh, and then let's do one more and then I won't bore you anymore with the book world. Um, I would highly, highly, highly recommend, um, yeah, oh man, there's so many to choose from. I'm like, man, what? Oh, let's do a really practical one. Speaking of all this is a great one to land on. My buddy Curtis Zachary wrote a book called Soul Rest, Soul Rest. Uh, go get it. Seriously, it will reward you, uh, times a million in your life. If you've been um, really struggling with how to create rhythms of rest in your life and uh, yeah, just like how do you how do you sort of manage the ideas of hustle and contentment? If you've had any struggles with that, um, if you've been alive for more than 10 minutes, you've probably wrestled with those with those tensions. So those are my practical advice around books. Uh, That's my practical advice around books. And Let's close with one little thought. My goal is to keep this under 20 minutes in total because I have that little intro section. So let's keep this really short and really brief and let's try to land somewhere. Um, Yeah, let's land here. I'm going to talk about um, pain. Yep, I'm going to talk about pain because it's something I think about a lot because I've been in pain recently and I haven't shared this yet, but I had a really pretty severe back injury where my back locked up. And had spasms and I was down for what has been probably an accumulation of almost a month uh, of being in pain and having issues. I had to get shots in my back, almost passed out from one of them, it wasn't fun. Uh, been in an orthopedic so like every other day doing physical therapy and trying to rehab my body and all of these different things. And one of the things that I've learned, and I'll close here, is that pain is obviously an amazing teacher. But pain is, is, is a beautiful contrast to life uh, when it's in pleasure. 
Uh, pain is the opposite of pleasure in a lot of ways, right? And what I've learned is that there's all these things that I just take for granted. You know, when I bend over to brush my teeth and, you know, rinse my mouth out and spit it out in the sink so it doesn't splatter all over the mirror. Um, right now, I'm still in pain when I do that. And there's still some low back stuff that I'm working through. And I realize how much I've taken the simple things for granted, getting in and out of the bed easily without any sort of facial expressions. Um, yeah, and a lot of my pain has come through performance, right? I, I run sometimes up to 40 miles in a month and you know 350 miles a year, and that's not even including biking and TRX workouts. And I'm not bragging on myself, uh, trust me. I'm telling you all this to say, my body, it's taken a toll on my body. It's taken a toll on my back. It's, you know, we're in Nashville, Tennessee now where I'm running in hills and you can't run <laughs> hills the same way you run uh, the flats. And so I'm learning that pain is a beautiful teacher because she can be a reminder of how great you have it. You know, we have a friend, we have many friends who have health issues in their body and they talk about, you know, how bad it got at different times and flare ups and different things. And they've said, you know, I, I'm so grateful every day I can just use my hands and they don't ache. Or I'm so grateful every time I can go hang out with friends and not worry about where the bathroom is or so on and so forth. Like, man, we're, we have so much to be grateful for. And I think I'm not actually talking about pain, am I? I'm talking about gratitude. I'm talking about um, being thankful. I have a friend in Michigan, Nate, if you're listening, uh, who says, you know, every day before I get out of bed, right when I wake up, I think of five things I'm grateful for. And what I learned about this practice is when I first started, I was really bad at it. I would think of like two things and my mind would wander. And uh, lately I've forced myself to laying there and being grateful. And especially if you try to think of things, not just that you're grateful for, but you're enjoying and thus you want to express gratitude for. And this is where I find gratitude so powerful is when we think about the things we're enjoying that we're so thankful for. And we say, I'm so grateful for that. And gratefulness, gratitude, is actually has physical benefits in the body. And I'll close with uh, a book to prove it. Uh, the Anatomy of Hope by Dr. Groupman. I wasn't planning on doing this. Let me pull the book off the shelf. And then I'll close. And I'm going to read you an excerpt from this, um, from this book if I can find it. Hopefully I underlined it. I'm pretty sure I did. I usually underline things. If I didn't, then I will, I will do my best to articulate. Here it is. Listen to this. This is uh, Dr. Grootman in the book, The Anatomy of Hope, How People Prevail in the Line, uh, in the Face of Illness. Uh, Jerome Grootman. Here we go. Ready? And then, then we're done. I found that there is an authentic biology of hope, but how far does it reach and what are its limits? Researchers are learning that a change in mindset has the power to alter neurochemistry Belief and expectations, the key elements of hope, can block pain by releasing the brain's endorphins and enecphalins, this is why I didn't go to medical school, enkalphalins, you know, that, mimicking the effects of morphine. This is the most important part. In some cases, hope can also have important effects on fundamental psychological processes like respiration, circulation, and motor function. During the course of an illness, then, hope can be imagined as a domino effect, a chain reaction in which each link makes improvement more likely. It changes us profoundly in spirit and in body. Every day I look for hope for my patients, for my loved ones, and for myself. 
It is an ongoing search. Here, I tell you what I have found. And here is the book. Um, so, belief and expectation are like morphine. That's what this book is talking about, guys. Belief and expectation are like morphine. Um, I hope and I pray wherever you are in the world that you will uh, pay attention to what you believe, right? And what you're expecting for in your life. Because those thoughts around those things will um, help, assist, um, guide your physical body, your physical processes in ways unimaginable. They can literally, according to science and doctors, they can block the pain receptors in your body and keep pain away simply by saying and believing and expecting um, for great things to come your way. And it's not name it and claim it. It's not some wooey-wooeyness. This is backed by science. This is what we meditate on, what we think on, uh, has a large, a massive impact on how we live and how we see the world around us. So think well, right? Uh, be grateful with intention. Be intentional with your gratitude. And my challenge to you today is to uh, take some time to hit that voice recorder uh, on your phone, hit voice memos, take four minutes and state everything you feel from the bottom of your heart, whether it's petty or profound, like Julia Cam Cameron says, petty to the petty, from the petty to the profound, take the time to just announce what you're feeling so that you can actually be aware of what's going on. Take some time to find some living authors who can inspire you towards works that you normally would not purchase or find uh, worth or value in. Maybe you'll find some hidden treasures. And lastly, um, practice gratitude today. Yes, pain can be a beautiful teacher, but gratitude can block some of that pain when it becomes unbearable. So use gratitude well. It is a weapon for you to stay fit in your mind, in your body, and in your spirit. I hope you have an amazing day wherever you are in the world. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, I pray that you would share it with some friends, share it with some family. Maybe it'll encourage someone that is, after all, what we're here to do. And don't forget what it means to live a brave life and do brave work. Brave work is defined as this. The act of continually emptying ourselves so that we can see what is worth being and doing. I pray you see well today and that you love well today and that you serve well today. Go do brave work, friends.